second scripture reading today, we'll be reading the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 53 through 58. Uh, you can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1519. Uh, we're also, if you don't feel like picking up your Bible, we will have the words on the screen for you. Matthew 13, verses 53 through 58. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Thus ends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it find that they have faith in their king. As we look at Matthew's gospel and think upon the different themes that, that, are, that are woven throughout, uh, there, is, there is really one theme that, that stands out more than the rest. And that is this theme of, of the kingdom of heaven where Jesus reigns as king. I mean, from day one, we, we saw this when we looked at the genealogy of Christ. Matthew records for us that, that, that Jesus is both the son of David and the son of Abraham. Being the, being the son of David, it reminds us that he is the heir to the throne, the, 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 the one who will establish that eternal kingdom. And being the son of Abraham, it reminds us that, that he is the offspring through whom all nations will be blessed. That his kingdom would have an impact throughout the whole earth. But Jesus is more than just some earthly king. For the angel told his father, Jake, Joseph, that, that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. While Christ is fully human, he is also fully divine. Two natures and one person. This is why we, we saw the, the Magi from the East bow down and, and worship him as an infant. It's why when we, when we look at, at his ministry, we see the, the evidence of his godly nature. The, the, the fact when he preached, uh, he, he spoke as one who had authority. It's why he could say words like this. You have heard it was said, but I tell you. In doing this, he was claiming divine authorship over the Word of God. For not only did he expound upon the Old Testament, but he also expanded upon the meaning. It's why he had such control over sickness and disease and the, de and the demonic and even death. It's why when the storm hit, he could command the wind and the, and the waves to be still and they obeyed his voice. Matthew has been highlighting for us Jesus' divine nature. He is God dwelling among his people. 
But as we've seen over the past few chapters, there were many people that had rejected Jesus because of that nature. They wanted an earthly king, someone who would deliver them an earthly kingdom. However, Jesus, he he didn't just have a divine nature, but a human one as well. He, he, was, he was born as an infant and grew in wisdom and stature. He, he had a frail body susceptible to sickness and pain, just like you and me. He, 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 was, he was tempted just as we are. And this is what we saw in Matthew 4 when, when the devil came to him trying to get him to reject his father's will. In, in our story for today, we see his human nature highlighted for us once again. For it is here that the humanity of our Lord becomes a stumbling block for the inhabitants of his hometown. For, for in Nazareth, what, what we will find is a people that had a hard time seeing past Christ's humanity in order that they may discover his divinity. His human nature had had blinded them from his godly one. Let's see how this plays out. Look at verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Here we see the setting of our story. Jesus had made his way back home to the town of Nazareth, the place where he had grown up, the place where he had played as as a child, the place where he had learned from his dad, Joseph, the, the, the craft of carpentry. And Matthew tells us that, that, that he was teaching in the synagogue, the, the heart of this community, a place where he had regularly gone on every Sabbath while he was grown up. It was there that he sat at the feet of the town elders, gleaning from them as they would read from the scriptures and explain their meaning. Jesus was home. He was with his people in a place that he was familiar with. And of course, the people were familiar with him also. But these people, they they also heard of Jesus' ministry. News had had spread about all the healings and and all the miracles and and of the messages that he preached. And so they asked him, preach to us. Teach us in our synagogue. They, They wanted him to take up the scroll and expound from the text. And so he did just that. And Matthew also tells us that that after he had finished, the people were all amazed. Now, if our story had ended right there, we would think nothing of it. Of course they were amazed, right? I mean, after all, this is Jesus, is it not? The greatest preacher who has ever lived? I think we'd all be amazed if if Jesus stood up here and preached to us, wouldn't, wouldn't we? But this, this amazement that they had, it, it didn't lead to what one would think it would lead to. Let's, let's read a little further as we continue in our story. Let's, let's find out what did happen. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. 
Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Where then did this man get all these things? There are many methods that one can use to slander a person. I mean, someone could just be upfront and brash, not, not caring about their own reputations, so long as the person that they're, they're, they're slandering gets defamed. Or one could use careful cunning, trying to protect their own image, while at the same time undercutting their opponent. That, that was the purpose of these questions. They were not put forth in order to find information. Rather, rather, they were asked in a way to place doubt upon Christ's authority. The, these questions were more accusatory than, than fact-finding. What, what they were basically saying was, was that something, something is off. Something is amiss. How could this Jesus, this, this one they had known since childhood, how, how could he know what he knows and do the things that he does? After all, we, we know his parents. There's nothing special about Joseph or, or Mary. And we know his siblings as well. There, there's nothing unique about, about his brothers or his sisters. Where then did he, he get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Now, in one sense, these questions are understandable. I mean, where were these things when Jesus was growing up? Jesus had never healed anyone as a child. And his training was in carpentry. Where then did all this wisdom come from? They say that familiarity breeds contempt. And, and this is exactly what we see going on here. Sure, they were, they were amazed by his teaching, but this, but this amazement caused them to take offense. And instead of recognizing some, such wisdom as coming from above, they, they had this picture in their minds of that little boy that they had grown up with. And it was this image that blinded them to the truth. They, they, they were so fixated on the humanity of Jesus that they couldn't see past it into his divine nature. I think in many ways the humanness of Jesus is still a stumbling block to some. The, the idea that, that God became a man is, is just unthinkable. Here's the issue. As we look to, to Christ's humanity, we can become transfixed with our own. For, for in Him we see what we ought to be. That, that perfect man, flawless in, in every way. But not only is He sinless, but He also has that, that, that perfect relationship with His Father in heaven. In, in his human nature, he has a, a connection with God that, that, that deep within we all desire. And so when we see all of this, Jesus' human perfection and the way that he communes with his Father, what it does is it shines a spotlight exposing all of our shortcomings, all of our own frailty, 
For we are not as we ought, but of a fallen race. For the people of Nazareth, the, the, the people who watched Jesus growing up, not really knowing who he really was, these deficiencies that they had must have felt magnified. How many of you have ever heard someone say this before? Jesus was just a wise teacher. Or how about this one? Jesus was a, was a great prophet, but nothing more. When people say these things, what they are really doing is denying the deity of Christ. And the reason they do this is, is because if, if Jesus is truly God, then they would have to acknowledge His authority. You see, Jesus is like the sun. When He, when he comes upon you, the, the, the darkness flees and there is nowhere to hide. And he causes a person to move in one of two directions. Either you will become bitter towards him because he is calling you to conform to his will. Or you will have your heart moved as you submit to your king. Either you will despise Jesus or you will love him. This is why for some people it is just easier to deny that he is God. Because deep down, they don't want to be under the authority of Christ. And so they claim that he is just a man, thinking that then they can, they can ignore all the rest. But the only one they are fooling is themselves. This is uh, the issue that the people of Nazareth faced. They, they only saw that, that little boy whom they grew up with, and they were not about to call him king. And so instead, they rejected his divine nature. They couldn't see past his humanity. They were blind to the truth. And rather than recognizing that his wisdom and all of his miraculous powers came from above, they took offense to Christ. But in order to truly understand Jesus, to understand this king and his kingdom, you need both, both his humanity and his divinity. Let's look at the rest of our passage. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. These people lacked faith. And because of their unbelieving hearts, they had rejected their Messiah. And Jesus compares them to the, to the people of old, the, the Israelites of the past, who, who did not heed the warnings of the prophets. Look at the end of the book of Second Chronicles, at the last chapter, chapter 36. In verses 15 and 16, we, we get this sense of, of impending doom as we see the people of Judah continuing to ignore God's warnings. Look at what it says. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. 
But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people, and there was no remedy. Time and, and time again, God would send his messengers to the people of Judah, desiring them to turn from their wicked ways and to trust in him. But time and time again, these people, they, they would reject the prophets. They would be mocked. They would be scoffed at. And at times, even killed for the message that they brought. But why was this the case? Why did the people scoff at, at God's messengers? Because the people were engaging in idolatry. They had rejected the things of God and had embraced the things of this world. So when the message of the Lord came to their ears, they took offense. In many ways, Jesus was like the prophet Isaiah, a prophet who spoke God's words to dull ears and blind eyes. Isaiah was rejected by his people and eventually martyred for speaking the truth. And all because the people loved their idols and hated the things of God. Didn't we see this same thing a few weeks ago? Isn't this why Jesus began to speak in parables in the first place? Because the people had hard hearts. They had their eyes closed to the truth and thus refused to repent. And now here, with the, with the people of Nazareth, we, we, we see a similar thing. They had become blind to the truth about who Jesus is. They couldn't get over his human nature in order to see his divine presence. And in many ways, they too had created an idol in their heart. You see, this, this people, they had an, an image of God that they had created in their own minds. They, they were looking for a God who, who would fit their own ideas of what a God should be. And this boy whom they grew up with didn't fit that mold. Jesus was just too human for them. And so they lacked faith and took offense at him. And because of this lack of faith, we, we, we find out that Christ didn't perform many miracles there. In essence, because they had shut the door to their king, that door was also closed to his kingdom. This is a sad truth that comes to any who reject Jesus. For when you deny your king, you deny his kingdom as well. Jesus is both God and man. You can't have one without the other. You've got to have both. For there is no salvation without a perfect mediator between God and man. We find this explained to us in, in the New City Catechism. Look at question 22. Why must the Redeemer be truly human? The answer? That in human nature he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin, and also that he might sympathize with our weaknesses. 
In other words, we, we need the humanity of Christ because we need a representative who not only obeys God for us, but also pays the, the, the penalty that can only be paid by another man. This is what we read in, in Romans 5 today. Look, look, look at verse, verses 18 and 19. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was a condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous." Jesus needed to be human because Adam was human. Just as sin was passed down to many through the action of one man, so too the grace of God is given to many through the action of another man. We need the human Jesus. There can be no, other, no one else. He needs to be human to live the life that we could not and to pay the penalty that we deserve. But we also need the deity of Christ. Jesus must be God as well. Look, look at the next question in the New City Catechism, question 23. Why must the Redeemer be truly God? Answer? That because of his divine nature, his obedience and suffering would be perfect and effective. And also that he would be able to bear the righteous anger of God against sin and yet overcome death. To restate something I said last week, the one we are sinning against is of infinite worth. He, he is holy beyond measure. And so even the smallest of crimes cannot be paid for with a thousand lifetimes of punishment. This is why the, the death of Jesus upon the cross is so important. For the only way our sin can be covered is if the sacrifice is of limitless worth. In other words, Jesus must be God. Colossians 2 verse 9 says this, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given the fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. This, this is why we can't miss Jesus' divine nature. For unless he is God, his payment is not enough. And we are all still lost in our sins. But, but fortunately for us, we can rejoice because the king of the universe has come to us in the form of a man. He, he fills both aspects that we need in a savior. He is truly man, one who can live the righteous life that we cannot, while at the same time sympathizing with our weaknesses and taking upon himself the punishment that we deserve. And he is truly God, able to bear the weight of the wrath that was, that was poured out upon the cross, and then to rise again three days later. Turn to your Messiah, the one who is fully human, 
and fully God. Trust in this, this Jesus, this boy from Nazareth who grew in, in wisdom and stature while simultaneously holding together the universe. In Him, in Him alone, will you find a Savior who can rescue you from your sins. Only in Him will you find your true King. Let us pray. Father, we, we thank you for your Son. He is that, that perfect Savior, that, that, that one who we need, fully God and fully man. By the power of your Holy Spirit, may, may we look to him in faith, trusting that, that he will rescue us from all of our enemies. We pray this in his mighty name. Amen.